The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning, good morning out there in Radioland. It is me, Summer Sibley Brown, filling in for Neville James as host of Analyze This from the one and only WTJX 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. And it's it's Wednesday, right? It's the middle of the week. So happy Wednesday. Um, I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful David Hamilton Jackson Day yesterday. Hope you had an opportunity, if you live on St. Croix, to make it out to Grove Place um, and participate in the festivities. You know, this is actually, I think, since COVID was the first festivities and it happened to happen. It happened to have happened in a gubernatorial year. So, you know, there was there were the Sia t-shirts um out there yesterday adding festivities. I heard there was a lot of food. Um, you know, there was a beautiful program. And I hope again the day before the Hamilton Jackson Day, the day of the Hamilton Jackson Day and the day after the Hamilton Jackson Day, I am going to just continue to encourage you to remember the reason why we were celebrating him, um, his activism, his role in the community and leadership, um, his agitation um, in in the local arena and in national and international. I mean, going to Denmark, so we'd consider it international, but that was um, our colonial master back then. But really advocating for the people of the Virgin Islands, really working um, for us and that's to be honored. That is to be honored. And what is also to be honored is the fact that today his legacy still stands and we still have work to do. We still have work to do in the areas and all those. So we would call them social justice areas now, right? Like it have a really cute coin name and all those social. When we talk about citizenship, when we're talking about equity, when we're talking about representation, when we're talking about infrastructure issues, right? When we're talking about climate issues, the names have evolved. The names have evolved, um, but we're still on the the work is on a spectrum, and um, different people in different generations and different iterations over time. You know, globally, nationally, and in our specific context in the Virgin Islands, there are people who we remember um, for their contributions, great and small. Um, that allow us and afford us the rights that we have today and there's still work to do, right? And in their still having work to do, we we have our electoral system, right? We are in an election year. Um, this is, you know, WTGX coins, you know, decision 2022 where we're going to be voting. And one of the ways that we do that 
at least support that here in WTGX. Well, you know, there's forums and there's different things that we held. We had a lieutenant governor forum. We had a gubernatorial forum. And then ongoing series where we give, you know, candidates 40 minutes of time, basically rapid fire time to like reintroduce themselves to you for those in the listening audience who have never met them. And, and for those who know them, um, you may learn something new or may double down on something to figure out like, who are the aspirants, who, you know, aspirants and incumbents actually. And so if you're an incumbent, what have you been able to do? If you're an aspirant, what are, what are your goals? And today we're fortunate enough to have a, we have a double header. Um, this morning we will have on the Honorable Delegate Stacey Plaskett, um, who's from a, in, 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 the, in terms of, you know, an incumbent seat. And then in the second hour we'll have on um, Governor Albert Bryan and Lieutenant Governor Trigan Zaruch. And again, another incumbent seat. So I going to say it like I always say, Neville, I say we got aspirant questions and incumbent questions. And we'll be, you know, talking from on this side um, because they are in the seats, finding out one, what they have done and two, what they are going to do. Um, you know, it's only 40 minutes, so it goes by really quickly. But to give you just a sense of who the candidates are, where they're coming from, again, what they've done, what they're going to do, and, you know, why you should consider giving them their vote. Um, you know, voting, we are outside of the early voting window. It just ended on Monday, right? It just ended Monday, 7 o'clock. So the next time you'd be able to vote is November 8th. And so if you haven't voted yet, or if you know people who haven't voted yet, hopefully you can either encourage them to listen to Analyze This or to listen to any of the public forums talking about why we should vote and how we should vote. Um, November 3rd at Levels, there is one such symposium happening at 6.30 um, being hosted by Brittany Dawson. Yours truly will be one of the panelists, but also Kai Nielsen, Darren Georges, Wes Girl, Brigitte Berry. It will also be in the building on St. Croix. That's exciting, but it's 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 really for millennials. Um, and we talked about millennials being that, what, 27 to 41 years of age, I think, in that in that bracket. But why we need to have younger people engage in the in, in the voting process, right? It's not a perfect process, but we have a process here by which we give people consent to govern us. And um, I think it's important that while we can acknowledge all the ways systems and, and, and different systems can be imperfect, one system that we have to work towards that greater good is we have, um, we have the ability to vote. We have the ability to exercise our vote and say this particular candidate or these particular groups of candidates or these people represent the values and voice that I have. I have trust in these people. These people, I think, have the ability, the experience, the skill to lead. Um, and we want to engage in that. So I'm encouraging everyone, you know, this is last lap. Today is the second, which means we have six days till November 8th, right? And so I want to encourage everyone, please, 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 if you are on the fence about voting, Consider why you should, right? Consider why you should just be like, you know what? 
I gon review the podcast them on Podbean. I I gonna go back and look at the debates that were online. Um, you can find them on WTJX on Facebook. Um, I'm going to read up on candidates. I gonna go into the board of elections and see who voting. I gonna stop and I gonna look at some of these because we have signage all across the island. Um, or I gonna call someone because. And, and figure out, hey, let's have a conversation about what's out there because I want to make up my mind about who I'm voting for because I want to participate. Whether or not you think it's a perfect system because how we make the system, one of the ways we can make the system better is by participating. So that's just kind of like my, um, my charge or my ask for the next six days, you're going to hear me say, it. if you didn't think you were going to vote, Please consider the reasons why you should, right? Um, your values and your voice are represented represented in the vote um, and who you choose to put in office. You, and then you can hold that person accountable. I mean, we get to hold all people who we elect accountable. Let me just say that. So I'm also, you know, one of the things that I think I am very passionate about, and to be clear, it wasn't a behavior that I had before. This is an evolving behavior as I grew, right? Before I thought my, you know, I was of the mindset that you go into, you decide to vote, you go into vote, once you vote, you know, I am at the will or whim of the elected for the next four or two years. And I actually, as part of the electorate, I actually have a role, that accountability role. And so I've told myself, and I'm sharing with you all, that come January, our job changes right now as the citizens of the Virgin Islands, those who are in voting age, right? Our job is to determine who it is we would like to lead us and, and, and what values and skills we want to put our stamp on. You go to the Board of Elections, early voting. I did it. It was easy. Now you're going to do it on November 8th. You go to the voting centers. All three islands have them. You know, show them your ID. Do your you do. You press, you press the button and you vote. After you vote, you got a little, you got a little time lag, right? We're going to see who made it into office. People are going to be sworn in. And once they are sworn in, now we have the 35th legislature. We will have new governor. We'll have our new delegate, you know, um, and in this case, the delegate is running unopposed, but we will have the body. We will have the board of elections, people who are nominated. We'd have the board of education seats filled. And we begin, we begin the process of accountability, holding people accountable to what they said they were going to do, how they said they were going to do it, holding people accountable to constituent work, holding people accountable to passing good legislation, holding people accountable to forwarding the values um, <laughs> of the Virgin Islands, economic development, oversight, public safety, agriculture, you know, climate, all the things in I said environment and climate, energy, you know, holding people accountable to ensuring that we actually get some resolve around big issues like WAPA, right? And not and and in real ways, like what are their actions? Not just what are their words. Right now they're telling us their words. What are their actions for the next two 
or four years, depending on where they're sitting. How are we improving education? How are we either amending or changing those laws um, so that they're meaningful for us? And that's a big job. Oh, so I got it wrong. I'm all backwards. At 8 a.m., we actually have the governor in-house. I thought we had um, the delegate at 8. Seems like she's going to be here at 9. We have Governor Albert Bryan in-house. Um, will the Lieutenant Governor be joining us online or is it just you and I today? You know, I don't know. I, he might be. Good morning, Virgin Islands. He might be. Uh, it would be great. Okay. Well, I don't want to waste any of your time, um, Governor. So we will see. Well, it's your time, right? Because this is your show. De- hi, well, te- hi, Governor. Technically, this is <laughs> technically this is Neville's show, and I um, analyze this. So um, we are in the window for candidate speaks, and we have the Honorable Governor Albert Bryan in studio with us. So we are going to go ahead by start. And so, basically, Governor, how this works is. We give you a chance to reintroduce yourself to the people of the Virgin Islands, and then we go into a rapid-fire round where I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about all types of things, from public safety, crime, environment, agriculture, um, and then we give you a chance to remind people why they should vote number one at the end, and it's like really rapid-fire. Oh, we actually have a format. This is great. So I'm Governor Albert Bryan Jr. I wasn't always Governor Albert Bryan Jr. Uh, I've got a bachelor's degree in economics, a master's degree in business administration. I've had experience in the public and the private sector, communications, telecommunications, oil, uh, public housing, uh, labor and human relations, recruiting. I've run my own business, started nonprofits, uh, been on numerous boards, chaired the Economic Development Authority, the Government Development Bank, been on, serving on the Port Authority Board, uh, served as a commissioner of labor and was elected the ninth governor uh, in 2018 and have been serving for the last uh, four years. Uh, it has been uh, a pleasure to serve you uh, through the 100-year global pandemic. And, and in our first four years, I think we've accomplished more than any governor in the history of the Virgin Islands in their first term. Uh, most governors, when they're uh, running again, are usually telling you about they have to finish and what they have to do. Uh, but when you look at our track record, um, just the retirement system alone, I mean, we've, we've solved problems um, that people thought were unsolvable. Uh, the 8% uh, paid it back. Uh, just, just numerous accomplishments. And I think um, if it's one thing that we can say that we have done, we have brought a new style of campaigning and leadership uh, to the Virgin Islands, uh, the things that we do. We've taken bold steps, bold moves, um, and sometimes unpopular, and stood by them, um, and it has proven well for, for us as an administration, Trigenza and I, as well as for the Virgin Islands. Well, I would like to say that Lieutenant Governor, the Honorable Lieutenant Governor Trigenza Roach is also online. Awesome. So I would like to give the Lieutenant Governor an opportunity to do the same. Introduce yourself. Um, good morning, Lieutenant Governor Roach. Introduce yourself and just, you know, remind the people of the Virgin Islands, or for those who have just moved here and may not know you, um, but are eligible to vote who you are and what qualifies you for your role. Good morning, and thank you for hosting us this morning. Good morning, Governor. Good morning to the listening and viewing audiences. Um, I have spent half of my life, uh, work life, in the just about half in the private sector as well as in the public sector. I started out, I'm a proud graduate 
the public schools of the Virgin Islands. I always tell people that, Charlotte Amalia High School. And I attended what was then the College of the Virgin Islands, but didn't complete my degree there because I wanted to study journalism and that was not available. So I went to the University of Missouri, completed my degree. I was news editor at the Daily News at the age of 23, the youngest person I think having ever served in that position, um, which really helped, to, which meant I really helped to manage the newsroom. I left the newspaper, completed my law degree at the University of Connecticut. Then I returned home, worked in the territorial courts of the Virgin Islands, the office of the U.S. Attorney, the office of the governor, um, and in private practice with a law firm of Born, Born and Handy. I started my career in public service when I became the legal counsel uh, to the Virgin Islands Department of Education. I served in that position for eight years, dealt with things ranging from all of the collective bargaining agreements, negotiating contracts for the government uh, uh, that would impact the Department of Education. And then I wanted to throw my hand a little bit at administrative work. So I became the executive director um, at the Virgin Islands Board of Education, where it involved testifying before the legislature, um, preparing budgets for the agency, managing the staff at the agency. And then I left that and went uh, to do a consulting project at the university. I spent a couple of years at the university. Um, I was also teaching uh, on the adjunct faculty, teaching in journalism, uh, public education law, in the humanities. And while I was at the university, was also uh, given the task of heading up the project, informing the community about what having a constitution would mean for the territory. Um, I also helped the university uh, with some EPA projects and with the legacy report of Dr. Raxter when she departed the presidency. Um, and then I was elected to the uh, 30th legislature. So the three terms in the legislature, I won a field, I believe my hallmark legislation, which I always will be proud of, will be the free tuition uh, measure that we passed uh, with the help of the members of the 32nd legislature uh, to make admission to a university free. And then uh, Governor Brand came along, well, not Governor Brand at the time, and convinced me to run with him. Uh, as Lieutenant Governor in 2018, I accepted the challenge. We won, um, came into the Lieutenant Governor's office. We did uh, lots of uh, change, uh, 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 agency change. The first thing we met was that uh, insolvency of the real legacy um, insurance company had to go to court, become the ancillary liquidator to protect Virgin Islanders who were affected by that insolvency. Uh, pumped millions of dollars into the uh, territory through the guarantee fund to assist those uh, taxpayer, um, I'm sorry, policyholders who were left holding the bag in the first year. After the first year, we got our banking and insurance division so, accredited for the first Lieutenant time. Lieutenant Governor um, Roach, I don't want to in interrupt. Um, you, but we're going to take a quick break. Listening audience, we have Governor Albert Bryan and Lieutenant Governor Roach on The Candidate Speaks. We will be back after this break where we're going to jump into a rapid fire mode, just, you know, talking to them about all the major issues in as shortest time as possible. Um, so this is Summer Sibley Brown filling in to Neville James, and you're listening to Analyze This. Banking for your business. 
at Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go. And our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com Throughline takes you back in time to understand the present and bring you stories from people who have lived history, whose perspective just might change your own. Listen to the Peabody Award-winning Throughline every week for the history behind the headlines. Saturdays at 7 a.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Good morning, neighbor. I see you got your bumper stickers and your hat sign up, Paulie. Yes, I'm so ready for this election season. Me too. Just waiting for the info on the polling places and then ballots. What polling places? You mean voting centers? The election system is using voting centers this year, where you can go anywhere across the island, walk in, fill out a ballot. Just bring your ID. Really? Because my daughter lives in Tutu, but walk all the way by the airport and would try to run back home before the sun goes down to vote. Nope. You're no longer stuck to just your neighborhood on election day. Voting centers mean you can vote anywhere in your district. And the next time, try the early voting option too. Skip the line all to get an election day. Girl, you have all the good tips this year, man. So, who's going to win? Ha! Read my yard sign. Then pick any voting center. Just remember, voting is not just your right. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to do. A message from the election system of the Virgin Islands. So listen, listen, listenership, you know, that's my favorite saying to say, and I hope I do in Neville justice this morning, because as Neville would say, we have the big dogs in the house. I don't know if you're listening to analyze this. I'm going to assume that the governor and lieutenant governor tune into us sometimes. And he's been saying for quite some time, you know, when you have the big dogs, when you have the champs in the house, because you were um, elected, you were given consent to govern. Um, you spent four years in a seat. So it's like we would ask aspirants, aspirant questions, and we ask incumbents, incumbent questions. And so I'm going to pose the first question because it's only 40 minutes. Um, and I would like each of you to kind of just take some time to tell us if you had to say the top five things that you are most proud you achieved in this first term. Um, on behalf of the Virgin Islands, what th would they be? I'm going to start with the governor and then lieutenant governor. I'm going to come to you. Uh, I think the, the the biggest achievement is trust. Um, I thought when we went into uh, government four years ago, the public really had lost our trust in the governorship. Uh, no one believed anything that the, the uh, former governor uh, said. I think we've been able to restore our trust with a lot of the transparency that we have and delivering on promises that we have made. The GRS has to be uh, second in terms of just being so... Uh, important to the entire economy, whether you're public sector, private sector. Uh, if 8,000 people start getting their pay sl slashed in half, um, we're going to have a lot of social problems. The pandemic, um, we, we had <laughs> needed to be alive. And, 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 you know, the pandemic is, is so 
even though people say, oh, you know, you guys get 100 on the, pan, on the pandemic, they, they really don't understand the scope of that because without us getting 100 on the pandemic, we would have no economy. Uh, we would have a tourism fallout that would have lasted till now. We'd have shut down so many other different things. We'd have had mass uh, exodus again because people would have left because we didn't handle it well. Our healthcare system would have totally crumbled because if you if the if the hospital had gotten full of COVID patients, if you had appendicitis, you would have just died because you just couldn't get to access the service. Um, catching up with uh, the taxes and returning to people, poor people, money that we owe them. The earned income tax credit is credit is tax money the government is giving back to you because it's saying you don't make enough money to pay taxes. And the government of the Virgin Islands held this money for years. Um, I, I mean, I, I can't see any, uh, like way more significant um, than that. And then, you know, I think just keeping pace with the economy, the economy... I mean, we don't compare ourselves to anybody anymore. You know, you listen to people now, they don't compare us to Puerto Rico or anybody. Seeing kids say, they don't say that anymore because we're number one. I mean, we just got voted like number one tourist destination. We're number one in the Caribbean in tourism. It's because we're doing really well. Or elections tend to talk about problems. You know, nobody asks you to, to, about things that have been solved. Um, and then I think lastly is like the roads. We've paved more roads than any administration in eight years, in three and a half. So uh, we have Governor Bryan saying, listen, we have trust, we have GRS, we have on-time earned income tax, we have road pavement, and we have... Uh, a, COVID a, a, and the economy. A COVID and the economy. Lieutenant Governor Roach, what are your top five? Well, I think... Um, the GRS issue couldn't have been addressed if the entire financial picture of the government had, hadn't changed. I think our ability even to go to the bond market, the fact that we no longer have conversations about having two and three days of cash on hand, I think that's a major accomplishment, changing the entire financial picture. And that includes addressing the GRS uh, issue, which I think was a plague. And to those thousands of people who depend on that check, and for that, and what that check means to our economy in general, um, I think I have to say to the management of the pandemic. That would be my second because um, it was a tough balance making decisions about keeping people safe and still recognizing that they have financial commitments and we have financial commitments and how do you balance the two. Um, I This last uh, housing initiative that I think um, that we just brought online, I think is very important uh, when you look at Virgin Islanders who have not been able to buy their own homes. When we talk about, um, we have a free tuition measure in place, so we keep some of our talent here, but they can't stay here. They can't afford to live here. They can't afford to buy a home. So this idea of gap financing that will help in particular um, first-time home buyers and some other people who've been trying to get into the home ownership market for a while, I think that's uh, vitally important. I want to big up my own staff because mm -hmm. I think the accreditation of our banking and uh, insurance division for the first time in our history uh, which sets us on par with every jurisdiction in this country. Um, I think it's very important for the territory on the whole. And I think that the 
management of our offices in in the sense of you know at the office of the lieutenant governor we always waited for the, the legislature to impose amnesties to give tax relief uh, to our residents and when i came in and i had those discussions with my legal counsel and with my team you know i was like wait a minute i can give tax relief the court authorizes me to do it it doesn't have to be a one-on-one basis um we can do it at this office and we don't have to wait for any legislative mandate to bring our people needed relief when when they when we believe that that um it's necessary so those would be my my five there's okay. so many more, but I know. Mean, so, well, I focus on five because we only have forty minutes, and um, th- that time <laughs> moves so rapidly. And there's so much yes, I does. think in um in a conversation with a, with a mm. governor and a lieutenant governor seeking re-election that we we have to kind try to broach really quickly, right? Oh, so course. we have had conversations, and your your campaign has been like, here's what we've done, right? We've mm-hmm. had four years. Here's here's the list at a hundred. Let me ask the question then. Um, what is it you seek to do next in the next it should you be re-given consent to govern where is your attention for the next four years <laughs> uh, we could talk about the tabletop issues fix WAPA get some schools built fix the uh, complete uh, GFL and start building uh, the new GFL um, GFL North the other hospitals as well Charlotte Kimmel will be done or whatever um, but there are a lot of issues that the public, we don't even discuss them. So what uh, are they? I want to hear them. So Medicaid, mm. um, we have Medicare, sorry, we, we, we haven't gotten a permanent resolution on that. We need to renew that. The round cover of tax is still not permanent. Uh, we have that to do as well to status. We haven't had a real discussion on status. The Virgin Islands is still without uh, a constitution. Um, cannabis is kind of on there, but I mean, cannabis is important because it's it's a it's a it's a economic driver. But you know, our economy is doing okay. It could do better. We need to get that as well done um, too. We got a lot of issues in Washington that the public really don't care about. Um, they unless they don't work out. Um, so those are things. Now we haven't aren't having discussions. We're still trying to bring a new distillery. Um, to the Virgin Islands, we we internet gaming. No one's talking about it. It's like once a problem solved, like the GRS problem solved, no one is talking about that anymore. Internet gaming is is huge. Um, something we're leaving on no one, not a discussion about it uh, at all. Uh, so those are things that the the economy after is not something that Trigans and I are going to have to be concerned with. Uh, and when I say the economy after, the economy after all of this construction. But we are very much in the weeds working on agriculture, which we said um, is a priority to us, the marine sector, making money available to our businesses, uh, creating a Virgin Islands as a blue water uh, site. Um, those are the things that that 2040 plan is not just a bunch of words. We're actually working towards that. Um, I know that the lieutenant governor has some stuff he's looking forward to. This whole, this new VI Slice program that we um, did, home ownership is a big part of what we want to do in the next four years. Uh, we want to leave Virgin Islanders generationally more wealthier. Like if your mom has a house, that makes your life easy. easier for you to come home, stay with your mom for a little while. And if your mom has a house as an apartment, you know, you could be paying into the family wealth and then you have an asset. Um, 
Your father could have a host too, but I said your mom. Um, the, but those, <laughs> your parent, your parental. Yeah, yeah, your parental. Uh, and then you being able to have a home too. I, I'm really, you know, the millennials don't vote, you know, but I'm constantly investing into them because that's what we have to do to preserve the strength of our and the resilience of our community. Because we all getting older, you know. Um, we, we're an old community. I should say senior community. Somebody we, call me an elder the other day uh, oh. <laughs> so I'm just saying I've been one I've been pops for like at least 10 years now so I get used to it <laughs> uh, so the question I have as you mentioned um, economy right what about the listeners who say well governor lieutenant governor the reason why you've been able to do so well is because you're balancing all the federal dollars that come in and we are not clear what your economic development plan what you instituted individually outside you know, pandemic dollars and, mm. and disaster dollars. Right. Well, I mean, individually, you could just look at the marine sector. I mean, our charter yacht industry is booked 100% um, before the season is even there to do. You know, people often ask me, um, you know, what is what is your legacy or, or, or what do you leave behind? My, I mean, we are already the COVID people. We are the recovery people. Our, our rebuilding process is so huge that there's hardly anything that you can do beyond it. I mean, one of the things that w what we have to do is we have to do things within the scope of that. Uh, I don't know if people understand that if you give away $50,000 a day every day of your life for the next 20 years of your life, you will not spend a billion dollars. Think about that. We have 11 billion in reconstruction to do just to fathom like how much money that is just the grand scope of it beyond um most people are like real understanding um when you the the new school that we're if it's two years to build it's two years of solid construction to build one school the hospital three to four years um a solid construction uh our construction industry is going to drive our economy for the next at least five to seven years. Uh, the stuff that we want to do within it, what I worry about, where are we going to find people? The Marriott is about to open up. Monastar is about to open up. Sugar Bay is on the way, and hopefully Canel Bay is on the way too. We put in a new 80-room hotel in St. Thomas. Hibiscus about to open up. 110 uh, Hibiscus is under construction. 110-room hotel at the key. The DV still need people. Carambola needs to rebuild. And there are talks about putting a, 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 on a rest, uh, hotel on the airport here in St. Croix and has still closed. Like, where are these people to work in these places coming from? You're going to get a new hospital that needs twice as many workers. And then you need, you're getting another, you're getting another Herbert Grigg home, which is going to be twice the size of Herbert Grigg. Uh, where are these people coming from? So that's, that's what we need to be concerned about is like, we're not having those discussions. So my question then, and, um, you know, Lieutenant Governor, I'm going to toss it to you first if you have a response. But then my question, and we're talking workforce development, we're talking labor, right? The Commissioner of Labor, the Division of Labor would fall under your purview as the executive branch. Um, labor and then, like, reattraction of expats, right? Virgin Islanders. Do you all have a plan? Um, or first of all, do you think that is in your role to do? to reattract Virgin Islanders home? And what is the workforce development plan that you would have in the next four years to kind of build that labor force to fill all of these new burgeoning careers? You wanted to... Well, well I think you've seen us done um, some recruiting um, offshore, and we have been targeted 
targeting Virgin Islanders to remain to return, because the the issue also relates to specified uh, labor opportunities as well. Um, I wanted to chime in when you asked about looking forward. Please. One of the big pieces of labor is going to be medical. I mean, we we clamor all the time about rebuilding facilities. But we've had situations in the Virgin Islands when we've had one cardiologist between these three islands. And we have we have the rudiments, the, the foundation of a medical school at the university. It was on the principle that if you educate doctors and nurses and other medical professionals where they are, there's a great possibility that they will stay. So I really look forward to us completing that that loop. We now have the simulation centers in Croy, the classroom, administration building, and St. Thomas. Um, and I do believe that uh, we have to do a fundamental push to getting Virgin Islanders back. Um, one of the uh, additional concerns with the free tuition bill, the free tuition bill wasn't just a standalone bill. It wasn't just to provide a students with a, a college degree. Uh, we are also supposed to pull together labor, EDA, um, the university, and to talk about what are the employment needs going into the future, and are we sure that our institutions of higher learning, both those who provide vocational training, as well as the academic side, as well as sell down at UVI, are they all providing the, um, the, the direction about what the economic needs of the territory are? Um, and that applies in every category. And I believe the Virgin Islanders over there. I'm, I'm, I've been talking to people who are interested in returning to the territory. And it's about us creating opportunity, but also pulling these entities together and mapping out a plan. What are the needs? For instance, I said EDA, because many times when you testify before the legislature or you're in the legislature, you hear the EDA companies looking for waivers saying they can't find this type of skill here, or they can't find that kind of skill here. All of that information should be channeled into what are we providing at our university and do they match the economic uh, development needs of the territory? I want to, you know, for me, attracting back Virgin Islanders, I think about cost of living here. And you mentioned, you know, how do we get people here? How do we fill the workforce? How do we create? The question is, whose job is it? Is it your job to create the economic viability in terms of increasing when we talk about quality of life? I do my own little, I do my own little math survey, right? It, mm-hmm. So it's not, I'm not an economist, but it costs about $52,000 pre-tax to actually afford to live in the Virgin Islands when we're looking at the cost of housing, the cost of WAPA, the cost of water. Internet is is an issue here. Um, the cost of food, the cost of gas. So who drives um, what pay scales are given? Is there a role in that? And we're so I, I actually think... going to take a break, Governor. I'll take you straight into the break. When we come back from the break, you could jump in and answer that question. Thank if you are just listening, this is you're tuning in to Governor Albert Bryan and Lieutenant Governor Trungenza Roach on Analyze This, The Candidate Speaks.
El sistema de elecciones de las Islas Vírgenes lo está haciendo más fácil para que tú formes parte de nuestro equipo por medio de nuestro programa de voluntarios. Estamos en busca de personas buenas como tú que puedan proveer a cada votante el apoyo que necesitan para que efectivamente puedan participar en el proceso de votación. Puede comenzar recogiendo y completando la aplicación para voluntarios de cualquiera de nuestras oficinas en el territorio. Usted puede servir como monitor. También tienes la opción de convertirte en un facilitador, asegurando que los votantes que están votando por primera vez, los envejecientes y la comunidad de deshabilitados puedan votar con confidencia y acertadamente. Si tienes el tiempo y estás dispuesto a servir, hay un lugar para ti. Solo inscríbete. Si quieres más información, llama al 340-773-1021. Y recuerda, el votar no es solo su derecho, es lo correcto hacer. One day we're going to have space marines, we're going to have guardians that physically go up there. As Latinos, as Hispanics, we want to add to that tapestry. We want to stitch our own threads into it. And we are doing it today with the Space Force Anthem. I'm Magna Chakrabarty, American voices that surprise and inspire, only at On Point. Weekdays at 10 a.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam! Ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit stoptextstoprex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. And if you are just tuning in, this is Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James talking super fast because I want to give the governor and lieutenant governor the opportunity to have the most time to talk, right? So before the break, it was kind of merging. Um, governor, you were jumping in to answer. I was talking about cost of living in the Virgin Islands, um, that economic development bridge and reattracting people. Like how do we get people to make salaries um, that can afford them to live here, and is that your job? So the one thing that I really love is that, you know, history repeats itself. Um, right now we're going through exactly what we did in the 70s when we brought alumina, oil, tourism, watchmaking, distillation, everything to the Virgin Islands. It's like people will come to where there's money is made. Don't worry about the people coming. They will come. The last time we had a large influx of people, excuse me, from the Eastern Caribbean. Um, this time we're having a, a large influx of people from the Western Caribbean, um, from, from Haiti, the Dominican Republic. Puerto Ricans aren't coming here anymore because they have way too much work to do in Puerto Rico to have to come here anymore. Inflation is a global phenomenon right now. And it, when it's not a global phenomenon, it's a national one. There's nothing we could do about the price of stuff. What we can do though, is do what we're doing, making it affordable, to buy a home by giving up $100,000 in gap financing for people to stay. Driving down the price of WAPA 
by creating our renewable plants now so we don't have to spend so much. Offering uh, loan programs at 1% where you could get totally off the grill and predict your, your light bill. Uh, free, free quality education so you don't have to send your kids to uh, private school. And paying for college tuition so you don't have to pay to go to, to, to a university um, in the States. Uh, uh, electric, electric vehicles, um, cheaper to run than gasoline vehicles and tremendous rebates. Government is pushing that and putting in free uh, charging stations all over the Virgin Islands. Free internet. We have that project that I told you about that's given 5 megabit internet, over 200 free sites to be established in the Virgin Islands. We're already up to 64. Those are the things that we can control uh, to make things cheaper. But I don't think Virgin Islanders are coming back. You know, the Virgin Islanders that I see here coming back, coming back to take care of their parents. Um, the mass influx of people I'm seeing right now is like every time I go to the airport, I meet people who just moved here uh, from the States. Continentals, upper income, um, usually Caucasian. Uh, so, and you're going to see a lot of people uh, migrate here from countries that are not doing well as well. Right now in the Caribbean, we're doing really, really well. Us in Puerto Rico, lots of federal dollars coming in, money to be made. People will show up to work. So I have a question for you all about the refinery. I mean, mm. it would be disingenuous for me to, you know, agriculture, yeah. environment queen, for me not to not ask this. In the last, in your debate on the forum um, with Senator Vialli, WTJX debate, your trajectory was, you said that the refinery is going to open in the first quarter, yeah. right? First quarter, January 2023. Um, knowing that there is a new EPA release out um, that outlines really, in my perspective, and that's my personal perspective, dangerous things, do you still stand by first quarter opening? And if... If you do, what has Vitima done? What is your team doing? What are we doing to ensure those frontline communities that share that border? Um, and then the rest of Fredericksted. So the first thing you have to understand is that the EPA shouldn't be political, and it is. Um, the EPA for the Biden administration has been political from day one. Then they shut down a $15 billion pipeline that was going to make gas cheaper for America, for America. And now they're paying for it. The Democrats are losing in the midterms because of the harsh stance of the EPA uh, administrator who shut down the refinery after it was already shut down by me. So the first order was illegal. Um, anyway, now, this, the, the problems that they had in the refinery were not mechanical. They were caused by human error. Um, having a new workforce, not getting enough training and stuff. So the, the sanctity of the refinery, the operation is good. We, they had a problem with the coker, uh, pet coke that is, has been sitting there smoldering and what have you. And uh, uh, Port Hamilton, I was getting names mixed up. Port Hamilton has been a little slow in terms of getting their financing and getting it together. But nobody predicted the war in the Ukraine. Some of the investors were over there as well, too. They're agreeing to do the things that the EPA wants them to do. But the EPA is hell-bent on not having any refineries open up on American soil and not expanding, which, is, which now is contrary to the president's agenda. And it's costing them. That's why gas is so high in America, because they've taken an anti-coal uh, uh, and oil uh, stance. Uh, we work with the EPA, and we believe it's reasonable. It's, I, I, it's our people who monitor. The EPA isn't DPNR in the Virgin Islands, so they're under our purview. So we believe that they can open a refinery safely because it's not the refinery. 
it's the operations and human error that caused those spills um, to go out to go out before. And we're going to make sure that everything is done to make sure because, like I said, DPNR is the EPA. Um, EPA is under DPNR in the Virgin Islands. We got the other thing too is that's important about this group owning it to me is that they are willing to discuss the use of the marine terminal for transshipment and being able to break, bring ships into that straight shot because Hess has a straight channel out to the sea. Our container port, you got to turn corners, which is dangerous, and some ships um, can't come in there. With the straight shot, we now open up the whole South Shore development, uh, the South Shore free trade zone, to new opportunities. That and energy, those are two big pieces of our financial future, um, especially here on St. Croix. Jobs, jobs, jobs. So, uh, I, I, like, what would we do if we don't have the refinery um, there? So what know? about, would you, this administration consider or have you considered looking into like Superfund sites, Brownfield, like leveraging some of those federal dollars should the refinery not open? Because you know like, okay, we have to have a plan, transition right. plans. So in, in general, in my perspective, and so the, again, very personal, in my perspective, we are, fossil fuel is failing us. It's going to end right. eventually. You made a great argument that it may be needed now more mm -hmm. than ever. What is the transition plan? Should that industry decline, where would we um, as a community begin to, to kind of round the corner into clean, ener clean energy? But remember, you know, St. Croix economy doing good without a re refinery been closed for a year and the economy is still doing good. The thing is, is St. Croix need to get up on its feet. We always get into our knees and then something knock us down. This is one opportunity. If we get to our feet, we get 10 good years of that refinery coming back on. We take down the Western, refin the Western refinery. We put in some renewables in there that allow for light manufacturing along that South Shore economic corridor. We open up that, that new port terminal. We expand transshipment. We have goods coming in and being finished, sent back to the United States complete. We actually have sent... 20, half, $26 billion of the $52 billion that comes to the Caribbean in imports comes through the Virgin Islands. Um, being able to expand that and bring stuff in for cheaper and cheaper um, it will be incredible. Uh, energy solutions that will not only power us, but could power our neighbors like hydrogen, uh, 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 LNG. There's so much potential there. But Superfund sites, all these things are competitive. Uh, trying to get on the federal government's payroll and being noticed with like 100,000 people in the middle of nowhere. Um, we really, people like to talk about grants. We're totally disadvantaged when it comes to grants. We did far better when Congress used to give out, uh, what they call it, pork. Uh, being able to just allocate a fund, mm -hmm. which, which we're trying to do now. So I give you an example, right? Last year, we put in for the ferry for St. Thomas to St. Croix. You see a ferry? No. Because we're low priority. And with the Republicans coming back in to, and I, I, I think the Democrats are going to lose um, the House. I, I'm not confident at all. I mean, I am a Democrat, but I don't think with the Republicans coming back in, we're going to have a, a really hard time getting additional funding. Lieutenant Governor Roach, um, I have a question for you. Again, standing from my personal lens, I run a nonprofit. I'm uninsured, right? I... I don't have access to insurance as an independent consultant in the Virgin Islands. Banking and insurance is your is your purview. What have you done or what will you continue to do to make that more accessible to Virgin Islanders? And you're speaking of health insurance. Correct. Correct. 
Um, I think when when we're being honest, that is one of the most troubling um, aspects of the insurance market here. It's affected by the fact that we are not under the um, Affordable Care Act mandate. We've had discussions with insurance companies. Um, we've had in the in particular the insurance company that provides uh, a, an individual product in the British Virgin Islands. And part of the reason why they're able to provide it is that the British Virgin Islands government subsidizes uh, the cost of health insurance for its entire population. And so people can get that product. I believe that it's time to present to the legislature. Um, and and I, the governor and I have discussed it and we'll discuss it some more that maybe it's time that we consider doing something as well that allows the private sector to be covered by um, by health insurance. I, I, um, I, it, oh, go ahead, Elty, go ahead. But it is, it is a challenge. Um, we, our banking and insurance staff, we've traveled out of, a, this is something that prior administrations have been tackling as well. Um, I do have good news because we do have one company, even so, that we just completed our review on and one of their offerings will be an individual health product. And uh, we're waiting for them to actually complete the licensing application uh, prospect uh, process. Uh, but even after we do, I still think it's time for the government to consider whether there might be a way to subsidize health insurance uh, for the general population. Governor, you were going to jump in? Yeah, I mean, like for you, are you willing to pay $20,000 a year for insurance? If I could, if I could make enough money, yeah, I want to try. I but, need it. But you see, and I listen to people such as yourself, residents, talk about insurance. I mean, the real issue in insurance is the affordability of it, not the availability, because you could join an associative health care plan at the chamber. Um, I think there's, there's a couple of other ones where just because you belong to the chamber, you could get insured under them. But you still got to come up with, with fifteen to $20,000. And for most people, that's prohibitive. I, 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 that's the real problem. I mean, how many people want to pay? To, but that's what the government it's pays. Not, but how the, many people can afford independently to pay $20,000? Like, I would be paying because I would be stretching my last dollar because I need health care right. at my age, not because it's actually affordable. Right. Um, but don't you think the, the government employees would rather that $20,000 be in the check than, than them have to pay their health insurance? They have to pay it every year, but the government pays probably like 14000 out of that amount every year so i think we need to have a real conversation with people about how do we get health care to a level in the virgin islands uh, and that's that's my vision you know so, i have really thought about this in terms of being able to provide a basic health care plan that everybody would have to participate in that would range around a hundred dollars or so every pay period and then the hospitals and the healthcare system would be a part of that. And then you would be required to have your checkups and do some certain things around that. Otherwise or not, you know, you're going to always have that gap of people who can't afford um, health insurance. So believe it or not, our 40 minutes is up. And what I would like to do is give each of you at least a minute to close and remind people why they should vote. Number one, tell them who you are. Um, you know, why vote Brian Roach and your number? Well, I just said it, but again, your number when they go in on November 8th. Um, Lieutenant Governor, I'll start with you. 
Well, thank you, and thank you for hosting us. Uh, I think that we have begun a good work. There's so many areas um, to to talk. Uh, in the offices of Lieutenant Governor, we are looking forward to having uh, one-stop centers, the same way as in St. Thomas, we just purchased um, the first bank building right there in Christianstead. Uh, to move up some of our divisions. We're getting ready to do online recording of deeds. I think the work that we're doing here just really speaks to the picture of financial debt for the government in general. Um, there are many things that come down the pipe. I want to see us uh, uh, focus on the construction of our school facilities. Um, when you hear people talk about the hospital, for instance, in St. Croix, they think they represent it as this pool of money maybe sitting there five years and nothing has happened. No, there's been a lot of negotiation with FEMA even to get to the point of uh, they're agreeing to replace these facilities in total. And so we're at that juncture, really getting jumping off now with some of those. And I really want to see us address the WAPA issue. I think we've done some of it with the uh, resilient uh, uh, composite poles, the new generation, such as the, the solar facility on St. Croix, the undergrounding, the pieces are coming together. And I believe this administration has demonstrated that we have the will and we have the expertise um, to, to move forward. Uh, our work in the past certainly has demonstrated that our restoration uh, of the financial health of this territory, making us the number one destination in the Caribbean, if not in the world. Um, and, and how we managed the pandemic and how we kept our people safe um, at the same time, keeping our economy healthy. And I look forward to continuing the good work on behalf of the people of the Virgin Islands. Governor Brand? You know, I think, uh, and thank you for WT Jackson for having this time, I think it's good to uh, have this opportunity, and you've certainly seen our commitment. But at this point, it's like you've been to, we've been to war together, not me and Trigenza alone, but the Virgin Islands. You, you've seen us together with our backs against the wall and how we do, how we manage, how we treat the community, and how we come up. Anything else would be a, a crazy experiment. It would be like you flying from here to Asia with a pilot and then meet a guy who operates a boat and say you, you want him to fly you back. There's no way that can happen. We've come too far to come back, people. Have a fantastic day. Love you. God bless the Virgin Islands. And that was Governor Albert Bryan and Lieutenant Governor Trigenza Roach on the candidate speak, just putting themselves out there again. If you have not voted November 8th, this is Summer Sibley Brown, and we will see you at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. These days, the news can be, let's just say, a little hard to take. But when you're looking for some hope, for some beauty, maybe a little grace, you can tune into From the Top. Every week we bring you the life stories and music of young artists ages 8 to 18. We hear them perform music at the highest level and share what's important to them. Join me, Peter Dugan, each week for From the Top. From the Top, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Sometimes it takes a 16-year-old to articulate what's important about the arts. 
In our society today, there are lots of conflicts because people don't think relatively enough. They think、mm-hmm. too absolutely, and music is always subjective, and that is why I love it so much. Meet inspirational young people like this teenager every week on From the Top with me, Peter Dugan. From the Top Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on WTJX FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.